Look, 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 people. I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle of this uh, podcast here, and they're talking about Florida, and there's people saying that, um, you know, Florida's disappointment. That one dude said, uh, you know, it was a disappointment since they became a state. Look, people. <clears throat> look. I'm like fifth generation Floridian, okay? I know there's a lot of crazy Floridians out there. I know there's a lot of Florida man stories, all right? But see, I am living proof that there's no normal people in Florida. I'm living proof. I mean, regular, like, liberal, you know, Elizabeth Warren loving, taxes paying, bicycle riding, donut eating, you know, like, I don't, you know, like, I, I know Florida gets a bad rap, but listen, there's, there's normal people down here. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and or losing money. On the 2020 presidential election, among other things, I'm David Reese, and I am joined by my co-hosts, Starly Kine. Hello, Starly. Hi. And John Kimball. Hi, John. Hey, David. Hey, Starly. We also have a very special celebrity guest investor who I will introduce in but a moment. But first, let's talk about what we're going to discuss today. The main Senate race, Susan Collins. This is a hot toss-up. Is there money to be made? Perhaps. We'll ask our celebrity guest. We're also going to discuss some of the other Senate toss-up races and get John Kimball's prognostications on them. And then a new feature. This is podcast history being made yet again. Top five TV. I'm not even sure how to articulate this, John. What would you say this topic is? We're going to talk about the best skylines in TV show intros. And not necessarily skylines, but but just urban infrastructure, skyline, all of that. Let's call this topic top five skyline TV intros. Rolls off the tongue. You like that? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. But before we do any of that, let's take a quick moment. John, let's get everyone caught up on our bets of the week last week. We both had the same bet. Do you remember the bet? We, we bet that uh, Michelle Obama would, <laughs> would not uh, be the vice presidential nominee, and nobody's the vice presidential nominee in, in the past week, so we were right on that. There hasn't been a lot of movement in that market, so we can move past it. I will only say to a certain centrist political pundit who's been a guest on the show before that you're so-called hot tip about Amy Klobuchar being a good investment for the vice presidential nominee is proven to be a bust. So you owe me some pennies, young man. Now, moving right along, we have a celebrity guest investor joining us today. Um, This is not his first podcast. His name is John Hodgman, and he is joining us from New York City. John, are you there? Hello from Brooklyn, New York. Hi, John. Nice to see you. I take issue with the term celebrity. Okay. And I also take issue with the term guest investor because I think it should just be in guester. In guester. In jester. Mm. No. Because you're a bit of a funny man. You're a bit of a jester, right? I'm I also ingest a metric crap ton of pasta these days. Oh yeah. I thought you were gonna say bleach. So oh, no, no, kudo no, for being I honest rather than going for the hack. No, 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 no. That I inject bleach. I, I inject, inject pasta. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, that's, that's right. true. Yeah, it makes a difference. One little consonant. I gotta find a new vein I gotta find a new vein for my bleach and vitamin D smoothie. Oh boy. Was that this week that that was that like two days ago that that happened? Yes. Jesus. And now it's the only thing left in our minds. We have no other thoughts but that thought. 
I have to say mm. that that was the first day in weeks and weeks that I felt like maybe I should watch the news because very little will surprise or or disgust me these days. I mean, it's everything just gets weirder and weirder and weirder, especially with this person that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But this was one where I was like, this is got I have got to watch Rachel Maddow destroy this guy over this. And and so instead of watching whatever ninth rerun of Cheers we're going to watch in order to bathe ourselves in nostalgia serotonin, I watched the Rachel Maddow show. And you know me, I love Rachel Maddow, Western Mass for Life. Mm-hmm. But she didn't cover it. And I didn't see any of the, and I watched a lot of my my neighbor in Brooklyn, uh, Chris Hayes. I was all in for him too. I didn't see him. And no one took this guy down for saying these things What's on the, the television. What's the taking him down for saying, I mean- like Rachel Maddow totally destroys Trump for suggesting people drink bleach. It's like it's already done. Like he like what what he want? I just wanted to take the mental load of that exploding in my head. Right. And offshore it to someone else's head for a while so I could watch someone else's head explode over this thing. Maybe they were trying not to take the bait. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there was any part of him that thought this one's really good? This is the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, he looked at that. He, I mean, there's a. He thought he nailed him. it. Oh my god! Not not nailed it in terms of science. Nailed it in terms of this is the oh. one. No one's gonna be able to talk about anything else after this. He was like, you no, know what, guys? No. I think I'm gonna go viral. I think this is the one. I think I'm gonna go viral. I think he's got some fairly canny, cruel gut instincts honed over time of being awful to people. But I don't. I think he fig- thought he figured it out. I thought he fit. Thought he yeah. thought he was bringing good news. Yeah, his whole ploy is like, I'm an outsider. I, I you know, all these eggheads are like this and that. I'm just gonna. Well, why not try injecting bleach? Maybe that's it. I think he desperately wants to come up with the right answer and be lauded as a hero. I think. I mean, if he cures motivated. coronavirus, you will have to give him respect. That would be incredible if he came up with the cure. Yeah. Right. If he's I right mean, about it, bleach. Would be, it would be it would be wonderful. I hate to say it, if they were like, you know what, man. He made us try it, and fuck me, it worked. We <laughs> had these rhesus monkeys, and we injected them with COVID, and then we made them drink Lysol. And like, these monkeys look terrific. He would be so happy. He has that scenario playing in his head. Of course yeah. he does. Like, he goes into that dream sequence often. But for the wrong reasons. He only wants to do it, and he'll sacrifice many people in his experimentation. That's because how he science just wants works, to win re-election. John. Do you think he would trade... Re-election for winning a Nobel Prize in medicine? Mm. I do. I I think he would. Starley says yes. Because validation is his ultimate goal. And he doesn't really... He he just thinks being president is another... Prize. Yeah. The difference between being hired for a job and winning an award. And I think for a lot of presidents, they want... I mean, obviously, it's, it's a mixture of both for everyone. But I think for most people, it's like, oh, good, they hired me for the job that I want to do. And I think for him, it was like, oh, I won the biggest award in America. I won the president award. Well, well it's the difference between being of service and being served. Correct. Mm. As I said in my most recent book, Medallion Status, by John Hodgman, available Smooth. now. Smooth. Th- through independent local bookstores... They're struggling to survive. See, I turned it around. I made it not Good. just about Yeah, 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 yeah. That was very generous of you. But like, it brings me no comfort to know, but it is still true that the greatest punishment that Donald Trump will ever receive is every day he is in office having to be the president. It's a job he never wanted. It's a job that probably drives him up a tree. The fact that he has this responsibility is 
infuriating to him. So yeah, I think probably if if the Nobel Committee said, we've got a Nobel for you right now if you resign tomorrow. <laughs> like this could, could we, be a could solution. Could we arrange that? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm talking, how many listeners do you have in Sweden? On this podcast, 20 or 30,000. I have two messages for Sweden. Sweden, stay at home. They're not strict. They biffed it. So you can solve this problem for yourself and for the world by drafting up a special Nobel for Donald Trump in exchange for him resigning. Put that on your predicted. John, last week's celebrity investors, Paul and Janie, were new to the game. But I happen to know that you have a bit of a history with predicted. So we just wanted to start this section by asking, what are your experiences of trading on predicted.org? Minimal. And inspired by one of my very favorite podcasts in the world, Election Profit Makers, I dare say I am a huge fan. Thank you. And I and I dare say I would probably not have gone anywhere near this this weirdo hobby were it not for this podcast. This is <laughs> I wouldn't have. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Same with me, and same with Starley. Right. This like was I, all John Kimball. Yeah. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Uh. And and so I, I I decided that that now to celebrate the return of election profit makers, I would I would put some some skin in the game, put some money in the market, and um, on my portfolio I put in a hundred dollars of my own money, and in my portfolio I'm currently showing a, a loss of seventy five cents. Wow, that's good. So, but I made very few. Would you call them bets or investments? We call them investments. My portfolio is is very small right now. As of this morning, my two investments were, A, will Dr. Fauci still be NIAID director on May 1st? And back in March, I invested no. I bought 25 shares of no. And I've taken a beating there. Yeah, you're getting your you're getting whooped because the hashtag fire Fauci hashtag is not taken off, despite the endorsement of the president of the United States. <laughs> that's when I should have on that day that he retweeted that hashtag that's fire when you Fauci. Ride tweet. a wave and you hop off that board. But I'm still doing well with my B investment, which is will Richard Burr still be a senator on May first? I bought 25 shares of yes, and I do not see that changing in any way. No, you're on the other side of my investment. I had this fantasy that my passionate phone calls to my California senators would turn the tide, but um, they haven't even called me back yet uh, about this. And I'm a podcast. I told them I was a podcast host, and that didn't seem to make any difference. Did you tell them that you were Beckett's dad's friend? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I should have, yeah. I should have said, uh, Senator Feinstein and uh, Senator Kamala Harris, you're both way too liberal for my friend Beckett, but in spite of your radical leftist agenda, I hope you'll take time to consider my uh, plea about (laughs) proffering a citizen's arrest for North Carolina Senator Richard Burr. No, I'm getting killed on Richard Burr. (laughs) So do you not yet have any money in the Senate race up in Maine? My part-time living situation, my side hustle, my... (laughs) My other state that I love so very much, Maine, celebrating its bicentennial this very year as a state. Uh, I invested 25 shares. I bought 25 shares that the Democratic Party will win the Maine Senate race. And that is Sarah Gideon, who is... Sarah Gideon is the presumed Democratic nominee. There is still a primary to be held. Right. But her her, uh, opponents are not um, formidable right now. Her primary opponents. Yeah. John, can I ask you what price 
you you bought that the democratic well, chairs at yes let remember? me let me click a button <laughs> where, where do i go to see my thing again i bought this morning at 64 cents all right i bought some this morning too and what may i ask what you <laughs> paid sir <laughs> turnabout seems I, to be fair play yes I bought a hundred shares oh. of no. What? Wait, what? At thirty-three Wait. cents. Yes. Are you just being provocative? No, I am not. You think Susan Collins is going to win re-election? Everybody is saying that Susan Collins is going to lose. All the smart money is saying Susan Collins is going to lose, and she she may lose. The price is way too high or low, depending on what you think right now. I think this is a 50-50 market. So I, I decided I'm going to buy in, and I don't think it can go any lower for me. And it could potentially go to 50. So I'll make some, some quick money. I think, I think that that seems like sound investment advice, because I will say that uh, the polling has been very tight. Sarah Gideon is up by a few points as of a couple of days ago. I checked in on the ground with my friend Libby Chamberlain, who who uh, founded Pantsuit Nation and lives in Maine and works now with Supermajority. And her and her point of view is that that uh, that women in Maine are super duper mad about Collins's uh, voting uh, to confirm Kavanaugh. Really? Yeah. And so that really ha- people haven't forgotten that vote, huh? I mean, I see well, that in is, a lot of articles th- about Susan Collins. This is Libby Chamberlain's on the ground feel, and and I can confirm a little bit during the time that I've spent there that she is not she's not as popular as she was before, and she has really sure. tied herself ra- rather unexpertly to Trump and McConnell, presumably for her own political survival. But as their fortunes fall, so so do hers. So real real clear politics has Sarah Gideon leading by two point five points compared to predicted where Sarah Gideon leads by mm, somewhere around 30. So there's definitely a discrepancy between what the polling is showing and what predicted people are saying. Now, I must be one of these people that John Kimball just thinks is a total fucking idiot because I think Susan Collins is going to lose. I think no, this is going to be- a... I don't think you're an idiot. I, I, I don't think you're an idiot. Let me explain just again what I'm saying. I think that more polling is going to come out. So you got to ride the opposite of these news events sometimes. So I'm just looking at waves at this point. I, I, you can't make a prediction this far out anyway at, at six, Watch six, me. six months away. Watch me. John Kimmel, let me explain something to you. Okay. You're a good friend. I've known you a long time. I admire your passion and your intellect. This is a COVID election. Susan Collins has gone from being one of the most popular senators in America to one of the least popular senators in America, right? Her whole brand was like, oh, I'm so interesting. I can't be put in a box. Democrats have to work with me because I'm a centrist Republican. And that's all gone away now, right? She's completely debased herself. And that includes all the COVID stuff. She's out here talking about these insane press conferences the way she did about the Ukraine stuff. Like, oh, it's a little disconcerting. It weighs on me, I suppose. This dude's out here telling people to fucking drink bleach. Yeah. You know, come on. Like at some point, people in Maine are going to be dying from this. I don't see how it gets better for Susan Collins. I don't see how it gets better for any of them. 
Kimball's just thinking about his portfolio. He's not thinking about I understand. The, the, the lives and, and livelihood of the people of Maine. He doesn't care. Right. He's got his own people to think about himself. Number one, Kimball. Yeah. Pre the pandemic, it was already a dangerous game to be in the prediction business because the impossible happened. So anything can happen. Now, like, I, I feel like David, like when you said we were post-COVID, we, I feel like we have no idea what the next months hold. We, we, we just don't know. One thing that I did that I think it holds is misery. There will be plenty of misery. I think misery hurts incumbents, just like recessions do, you know? Yeah, but this is a fake recession. This one was invented by the Democrats and the Illuminati with the COVID hoax squad to make Donald Trump look bad. And misery, unfortunately, is the key to unseating not only Susan Collins, but Donald Trump and every every member of the GOP. Uh, right now, as they march in lockstep with Donald Trump's dumb, dumb jazz improv ideas about how to inject yourself. If you're in Arista County, Maine, or lots and lots of different places that haven't really been hit by this, you could be, you know, Georgia has a lot of cases and a lot of deaths compared to, say, Maine, right? But there are lots of people in Georgia who have not felt misery. I'm lucky to say that I haven't felt misery, but I believe in science, right? So I know it's happening. But if you're in a mind to not believe in science, if you're in a mind to stay with your team and you're not hurt by this, not financially, because that can always be blamed on Democrats. I'm talking about human misery, and it's not something I wish for. I hope that Donald Trump is right, that we should all chug bleach and we'll all get better. And he would be reelected for life. And that would be a bad outcome, but with a really important good outcome. And I don't wish for misery, but I do think that a lot of these markets, if you want to narrow it down to that, if you want to boil it down to Please, John Kimball's yeah. personal gain. Yeah, exactly. A lot of these markets are going to hinge on whether people feel miserable because of losses in their life besides just their jobs. What about the idea that this is going to be a really record-breaking high turnout election and that Collins might not have or the Democrats might not have that much room to grow in their strong places, which are the cities in Maine. Right. Um, and that there still may be room to grow in these rural areas and that she just has really high name recognition. You might just have a bunch of yahoos out there that don't really know who they're going to vote for, and they're going to see her name out there. Uh, you've ever, ever been to Maine, John? Yes. You, oh, yeah, you were there. You've, you and David visited me there. Yes. On your fact-finding tour. Yes. <laughs> Two years ago, you, we, we were all there we together. We these markets. Yeah. It was your, that was your listening tour. You're on the ground tour to prepare for this podcast recording two years later. But you're not wrong. I think John Kimball offers a very... A very prescient warning, because this is the state that voted in Paul LePage a couple of times. Paul LePage, of course, is is Trump's opening act. This is the gov former governor. Former governor of Maine, Paul LePage. He is a, an openly racist, populist um, creep who would call up reporters and leave, you know, who would act wildly and appropriately, call up reporters and call them all kinds of vile names and then dare them to put the voicemail public. And they did. And he still, he suffered very little. He was term limited out. But that's a good point. Yeah, he's very, very Trump-like. Now, whether Susan Collins, I mean, Susan Collins is not super popular. And I think what Mainers might be 
or any decent human being might see in her is that she is ultimately principleless. If you thought that she was an independent, because Main Mainers prize independence, their other senator is an independent, the only other independent in the Senate besides Bernie Sanders, that's Angus King, and was a and was a governor of Maine as an independent for a long time. They like that stuff. They like that fantasy of I don't belong to any party and also maybe government is optional, you know, that kind of deal. But but she is not an independent anymore. I think anyone who considers themselves an independent could see that she's gone one wishy-wash too far, one sort of uh, expression of concern too far to be taken seriously at this point. And Mainers are dying. 50 have died in the state of Maine as of this recording, which is not many compared to where, where we are in our respective worlds. But it is, it's a big topic of conversation in Maine. Um, Maine is going to really, really be hit hard in the coming months due to stay-at-home orders, not just in the state of Maine, but every, every creep like me who comes from away every summer to spend money, you know, may not show up. Well, let me ask, John, why are you, why are you not in Maine right now? Because I'm not a creep. So as a little bit of a little bit of background for those of you who may not uh, be familiar with my uh, body of uh, work, the white male morbid privilege comedy of John Hodgman, uh, as detailed in my book, Vacation Land, available still at all local independent bookstores. Uh, my 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 wife grew up going to Maine, loves Maine more than any other place or person on earth. And eventually, a few years ago, we bought we bought a home in Maine, and that's where. That's where David and um, and John visited a couple of years ago. Starly, I hope I hope when this is all over, you'll come and say hello to us in Maine. As for all of you listeners, stay away <laughs> because Maine doesn't want me or you or anyone, at least not right not now. Not right now. Not right yeah. now. Yeah, they don't want they don't want you there because there has been you know as with a lot of communities that have a large seasonal population. They're very wary about people coming in with without symptoms and spreading it around and licking all the doorknobs and touching everything in the grocery stores. And I think they're right to be concerned. And we had about for when when it looked like when the rumors started to fly that the schools were going to close here in New York in early March, my wife and I were like, "Yeah, well, we should go to Maine, get out of here, just get out of Dodge." But it only took about two seconds to appreciate that that was a bad idea. Once the school is closed, A, because my wife is a teacher and both of our children are students, so we need as much broadband as possible. And of course, Maine, like so many other rural states, has terrible internet and it's part of the part of the digital divide, keeping these states from thriving. And then B, you know, we we're we're not, you know, we're trained by popular culture to think in a disaster, you know. When the zombies are coming, we're the heroes and we're the uninfected, and we need to protect ourselves at any cost, whether that's barricading our houses or getting out of town. The reality is that we're all zombies. You know, this thing we're is- We're the super, threat. We're the threat. We're all yeah, potentially right. the threat. Right, we're all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those of us who feel perfectly well could very easily be shedding virus everywhere we go. It's wildly contagious, and, and it affects people in very different ways. And so given the fact that People from away in Maine are considered to be an invasive species to begin with. I didn't. I didn't want to bring my personal zombie horde up there and make my neighbors nervous. You know, it's like we couldn't be up there. We would be the. We would have to follow the governor Janet Mills' order to self quarantine for fourteen days, and that we'd have to take that very seriously. If people saw us at 
the general store or at the supermarket or the gas station. They would know. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd, we'd get marked. We'd feel terrible. Now, at least we can go out and walk around, you know, the streets and get mm-hmm. a get a Diet Coke or something. Wipe it, bring it home, wipe it down with some Purell, drink it. That's a whole afternoon for me now. <laughs> but no, I don't feel I it's funny because, you know, here we are here, here, here I am. And and here we are the at the center of the pandemic in the United States by far, you know, not to brag, not to brag. <laughs> not and, jealous. Don't worry. Not jealous. Yeah. And, you know, obviously you hear sirens all the time. There's a, there's another whole other experience of this pandemic going on in the hospitals of New York City and Long Island and New Jersey, Southern Connecticut, you know, where it's truly mind-blowingly awful. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of us, you know, it's it's um, it's safe. It's safer to stay home. Yeah, it's just hard because, like, you know, you're conditioned to want to be helpful or something. And right now, the way to be helpful is feels like such a passive thing, which is just stay home and watch Netflix and, and don't infect people. You know, yeah, don't if you're you might be a zombie, don't bite people. And, you know, it's really startling. We went on a walk the day before yesterday around the park and kept our distance and wore our masks. And. It feels like people in New York are finally getting it, that they need to be wearing these masks, right? Mm -hmm. Because I would say now something like 80% of the people we see are wearing some kind of face covering. Um, Or if they're wearing it down around their necks, they'll pull it up once they see you a block away, you know. And I give those people a pass too, because we all know these masks. We don't know what these masks are doing or not doing. Like we got wildly changing direction about the masks from the CDC so it's not surprising that a lot of people are like, I'm not wearing that dumb mask. It's for nothing. It's just for show. And I'm, and But even if it is just for show, it's showing that you are part of society. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's, it's showing an important that, signal. Yeah. It's showing that you, you care about other people's well-being, that you're following the best practices that are being advised as of this time, and that you believe in science and that your your feelings aren't more important than other people's feelings, whether those are emotional or biological. And it's hard. It's hard for a, a lot of people in Brooklyn to to think that way. Yeah, it's not an American way of thinking. Witness, you know, the the mayor of Las Vegas. Witness Brian Kemp in Georgia. Witness right. all of it. You know, it's like this this whole astroturf movement to re you know restart the economy is j- ginned up by weird right wing front groups and pro gun groups, but. Those people are showing up on, you know, for a reason, which it is, it's an, it's a, it goes against the myth of the American me first attitude. And it's, um, it's, I'm really, I'm glad to know which of my neighbors are the, are the true a-holes. Cause prior to this, I had only sus- suspicions. If you don't wear a mask outside, I don't want to put it this way. I don't want to say you're dead to me. I hope that you live. Yeah. It's like my downstairs neighbor's boyfriend who comes and go on his motorcycle like three times a week. That guy drives me crazy. Oh my gosh. And then the other night I was downstairs doing laundry and the laundry room is right under her apartment. And she said to her boyfriend, her motorcycle boyfriend who never wears a mask, would you like a chocolate covered strawberry? And he said, 
in a really loud, sarcastic voice, does a bear shit in the woods? And I'm like, bro, you got to go home and self-isolate. Deal. I'm dealing with this fucking coronavirus and all this other shit in my life. And then I got you being obnoxious about chocolate-covered strawberries and riding around on your fucking motorcycle. Oh, That was a good joke, though. I'm going to continue to watch this market, John Kimball. I think Sarah Gideon is going to beat Susan Collins. John Hodgman, I'm with you. I'm going to say that uh, of the 25 shares that I bought, 15 of them are wish shares and 10 of them that's a are, good ratio. I think she's going to pull it out. Yeah. 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 15 to 10. That's good. I do think that that the people of Maine are super mad at Susan Collins. And I think that the independents don't trust her anymore either. Right. And Maine is a weirdo place. Shout out shout out to the second district of Maine, by the way, being one of the few congressional districts in the country that switched to ranked choice voting. Whoa. And that flipped the seat from Bruce Poliquin to Jared Golden, a Democrat from the state of Maine. That, that's pointing the way to how we should be having elections in this country. Ranked choice. No, well, I meant outcomes that I like because of my partisan affiliation. All right, John Kimball. Yes. It's time. Let's do it. I have my list. The most important market of all, top five TV Skyline intros. Take it away. This is your segment. Okay. I'm here to be the John Kimball. I'm here to be the spoiler who's like, well, all your passion and heart are, that's wonderful, but here are the cold hard facts. So you set it up and then I'm going to knock it down. I want to clarify this. These are the top five television intros, opening credit sequences featuring Skylines, any yes. city life or just Skylines? I thought it was Skylines, but apparently John Kimball says it's any building or infrastructure. No, I mean. Wait, what? What? Yes, it's Skylines. It's Skylines. You're sounding a little Susan Collins here, John. Yeah, okay. I know. Oh. I have to express my deep concern no, that no, John no. Kimball's decision making may it's, be faulty. It's Skylines. Is it Skylines, It's Skylines. John? Say it's Skylines. It's Skylines. Oh my God, bro. But should should Starley and I decide which list is best? I, I think Hodgman and I are a team and we decide what is foul and what is what is a foul and what is fair play. Oh, okay, that makes sense. You're the umpires, and yeah. then offer, and then off, offer ultimately a critique and a and a ruling as to which which one is best. Yeah, okay, okay. Number five, Taxi. Do you know the intro to Taxi? You've got the skyline in the background. You've got one opening shot. They're going, and I believe it's they're going over the Triborough Bridge. It's a great urban infra shot with the skyline in the background. That was from a time when uh, t TV comedies could be introduced with soporific smooth jazz. A flute, jazz flute. Not only could you introduce it with that jazz, if you didn't have that jazz in your opening credits, you weren't a TV show. Whoa. It was the mark of a real TV show. Yeah. My number five, and this is where we get into the the uh, nature of Skylines. My number five is Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Ooh. It starts out with that weird that weird yeah. red brick building with the funky roof. Right. That's a great one. I always wondered, like, what is the, what was that building? I think when I was a kid, I thought, oh, that's where they make Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But then the crazy thing is then it pans and then you go to his house and it's like, but then wouldn't his house be in the other building? Anyway. I was just thinking, I was going to suggest the same thing, David. I think that was my similar fantasy so i feel like that's like a real borges skyline it's like buildings within buildings so that's my number five i'm gonna throw this to starley this seems too clever by half to me starley should we eliminate this one mm. so the clever by half part of it all comes down to david's intention when putting this on his list 
Were you trying to be clever, David? Or do you sincerely believe this is a skyline? No, Starly, I wasn't trying to be clever. I was trying to find the best skylines. And I was like, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, it's not... Oh, just w- oh, just wait, because my number one is going to have you foaming at the mouth. I'm so excited. If this is number, my number one if is this is number five, everything. I cannot wait to see how too clever by it's going to be too clever by three thousand percent. John, what's your number four? Let's go. Let's go. Okay. What you got? N- number four, WKRP in Cincinnati. It's got good intro okay. shot of the bridges <laughs> over the Ohio <laughs> River. Then you got a skyline <laughs> shot from the highway, <laughs> like it's being shot from a car. Um, bustling commuters walking to work. I mean, it makes Cincinnati look like midtown Manhattan in this picture. I always thought Cincinnati was this huge metropolis looking at the beginning of WKRP. And also then you got this little tugboat on the Ohio River, just a nice little urban shot of a tugboat. I love that. And I love Cincinnati. Cincinnati is one of my favorite, favorite cities. My number four, this is this is a show I had never heard of until I was doing my Skyline research, a show that only ran for four episodes in 1977, but this opening title sequence got me so amped, Nashville 99. I was already rolling my eyes when you said you'd never seen it and it ran for four episodes. No, it's incredible. When we're done recording, go watch the intro to Nashville 99. It will get you so pumped. It's like, you want to see... You want to see Nashville Skyscraper? Here it comes. It's great. So Nashville 99 is my number four. What distinguishes the skyline in Nashville 99's credits so much that it made number four? Oh, let me guess. It's it's utterly obscure and gives David City Skyline hipster cred for knowing a thing that no one's ever heard of before. Nailed I'm it. out here telling everybody to go watch it. It would Mr. be Mr. Rogers' was... neighborhood yeah. model instead of an actual city. Wow. Watch Nashville 99 opening sequence and then come at me and tell me I'm just being a little... David, I want you to have watched the four episodes by next week. If you're putting it on your list, this has to become your favorite TV show. I want I want a postcard writing campaign to bring back Nashville 99. Here's a little behind the scenes information for the past week. Starley's been like, Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere, watch Mr. Belvedere opening. Okay, Mr. Belvedere was a beloved show of my childhood. That came up from a natural, organic memory of mine. Of course, because you're letting nostalgia cloud your judgment about what are objectively the best skyline shots. And I'm saying Nashville 99 has an incredible helicopter shot of this massive building in Nashville. I told you to watch Mr. Belvedere, not because it was the best skyline, but because I wanted to. Because I wanted you two to weigh in on whether what it depicts could be considered a skyline. The pyramids of Egypt? Is that a skyline? I guess. It's an interesting question, actually. Yes. It is. They were the tallest buildings in the world for thousands of years. But they're not. But the Mr. Belvedere opening is him posing in front of iconic buildings, not iconic skylines. The skyline is the aggregate of buildings, right? Wanting to hyper define the terms of the argument is not is not an argument against your insufferable hipsterism in this case. Watch Nashville 99. This is insane. I'm getting so mad. John, what's your number three? Number three. This this one's for you, Hodgman. Spencer for hire. Opening shot oh. of the train crossing the Charles River. You've got the Boston skyline behind it. But my favorite part of this is at the very end, there's this quick zoomed in close-up shot of a gun battle and the skyline is right behind it. It's, oh. it's totally... <laughs> It's so intentional I know you love and that. it's so awesome. And it's exactly what I would have done. Everyone all over the world knows the iconic shape of the John Hancock Tower. 
Yeah, don't forget the Prudential. You know, got the Prudential. You got the Sitco sign. You know, you got some good stuff there. You got the dome over at MIT. That's right. We have to have a little respect for the Boston skyline. A little. It's all right. It's not that tall. You guys, your your airport's too close to your skyline, and that's why you don't you don't have anything over eight hundred. <sighs> yeah, don't. You kind of fucked it up there, Hodgman. My number three, and see if you had just got if everyone had just settled down and let me present my argument in full, you will understand that we are achieving a deeper understanding of some of my choices. My number three mm-hmm. is the obvious influence for my number four, which is Dallas. Oh. Incredible skyline shots of Dallas. And that is obviously what Nashville 99 was imitating uh, when they made the Nashville 99 opening, I think. That's my theory. So Dallas is my number three, because it looks like the skyscrapers, it looks like they finished building those skyscrapers, and then um, we're immediately like, okay, go shoot the intro now. Like, they look so fresh. These skyscrapers <laughs> look wet, like they just hatched. They, yeah, they're so reflective. And the other thing I love about <laughs> Dallas is that you've got multiple shots going through. So you're seeing the, like the, the, same, ju- yeah, of the totally. juxtaposition of the skyline and then like some farm and tractor and then it just makes the skyline pop out even even greater. I love it. And then the parallax of the of the uh flying over the Texas Stadium is there you, you know you see the field below. It's that's another awesome shot. I I'll, I'll just tell you that I have Dallas as my number 2. Oh. You know what I just realized actually? Dallas did not influence Nashville 99 because Nashville 99 came out before Dallas. So, whoa. Nashville 99 influenced Dallas? Oh, this is big. Yeah, you going to switch? No, because objectively, the Dallas intro is better than the Nashville 99 intro. What's your number two? My number two. I can't remember, John Kimball, if I ever got you to watch this show. It is the opening to Terrace House 2020, the Tokyo season. Terrace House, for people who don't know. Yes, yeah, you did mention it Come to on. me. This is perfect pandemic watching. It's a Japanese reality show that's been on. You can watch it on Netflix. They put three boys and three girls in an apartment, usually in a city, uh, and they can do whatever they want. You know, some of them are looking for love, but they still go to their jobs and they can leave the show whenever they want. And then intercut with scenes from the house, they have a panelist of comedians who analyze all the social interactions that are happening in the minutest detail. And there's, I think I've watched probably 10,000 hours of this show over the course of the last three years. And the most recent season is taking place in Tokyo. And they open with some incredible, incredible shots of the Tokyo skyline. It's just, John, you would go crazy if you saw it. Yeah, one of the world's best. And John, what is your number one skyline TV opening my number one skyline tv opening is good times i love this because it's it this would be the opposite of dallas dallas where you've got all these different frames good times is one shot for the first 20 seconds it just pans and then it zooms in it's the chicago skyline and it looks bleak I mean, it is polluted, <laughs> yeah. you know, just awful and urban blight. And I just, I love it. And is the title Good Times, it's put over the skyline, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Does it, but does it cut away from scenes from the show that have happened over the seasons? No. I think that's why I love it. It's a little film. Yeah. Unadulterated, pure skyline opening magic. All right, John, are you ready for my number one? I'm ready. Number one skyline intro of all time. 
Game of Thrones. How dare you? This is a show that has multiple skylines across multiple kingdoms. You see the skyline actually being constructed, and it is actually supposed to help situate. And I don't even like Game of Thrones. I'm going to make something clear. I couldn't understand it. I couldn't follow it. There are too many things happening. But the, the use of skylines, not individual buildings, actual skylines to situate you within the world of the show. I mean, you have to give respect to Game of Thrones for using skylines in their opening sequence. It's incredible. It's clear to me, Starly, that one one person approached this challenge sincerely and in good faith. Yeah. And another one approached this challenge, as he often does, to his credit, Yeah. by starting off by flipping the table and trying to find a skyline underneath it, by, by, dis- by disrupting everything and rethinking the very idea of a skyline. And I'm not saying that that means, I'm not saying that one player is, is this is not a judgment. I'm just saying it's clear our two, our two contestants came at this from very different angles. One of them came at it from an angle and the other one, the other one burrowed through the earth and came up at it in a completely different way. Yes, I would agree with that. I feel like, honestly, if it wasn't for Dallas, like Dallas might save you, David, because that's the only one that is a... It's it's not just an it's not just an upheaval of the definition of skylines. No, Nashville '99. Yeah, but that doesn't. <laughs> what did you have? Nashville '99, Dallas, Game barely... of Thrones, Mister Rogers, and what was the fifth? Uh, Terrace House, Tokyo, twenty. Terrace House, okay. Tokyo, total right. total skyline. This is the issue with Nashville '99. From what I understand, the assignment the assignment was uh, iconic skyline opening credits. You misunderstood. It's best skyline opening credits wasn't iconic it was best iconic is next week's episode this was best <laughs> next week we do most iconic skyline did, intros. did you have any any honorable mentions david that 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 were also no these five are the only good five skyline <laughs> intros all other skyline intros are garbage the idea that david reese would go out of his way to find another way to do a very simple thing it's beautiful i mean it's a david reesean list i'm not i'm not complaining we are our lists. Know, know us by our lists. David curated not just a list, but it was a narrative. It started with a memory from childhood. Yeah, I'm a storyteller. It went to the most obscure place ever. Nashville 99, a thing that maybe doesn't even exist. Maybe he's just pranking us. It's like, oh, did you ever watch that show Tallahassee? Incredible show. Incredible skyline. <laughs> I, I would say that Starley is correct. That most human beings, when asked to list the five best skyline television intros, and we are all asked that eventually in this life, as you know, that best would very quickly, as it did in my mind, be conflated with iconic. John Kimball followed that understandable conflation by naming not one, not two, not three, not four, but five iconic, recognizable skylines. The moment he said it, picture it right in your head, unless you never saw Dallas, which I never did, because I'm from Boston. I'm watching Spencer for Hire. This is what we're going to do. John Kimball and I will each post our playlist of these intros to our Patreon. And if you're a Patreon member, you can come. And what you should do is, oh, this is a good idea, John. This is going to prove that I'm right. You will make a post with your top five video clips, okay, of the intros. And then I'll make a list of my top five. And then if you're a Patreon member, I think you can like a post that we post. And whichever one has the most likes is the is objectively the winner and we'll talk and we'll follow up next week. Should I weigh in or no? 
don't uh, no you i don't want you to weigh in go vote sign up for patreon and you can mm. and you can vote but you don't get a free voice vote right now this is hearts only this is clicking on hearts i'll just add my voice to Thank the you. legions but john kimball let me let me compliment you on your list those are five iconic skylines very well narrated Thank you for Spencer for Hire. That meant a lot to me. I actually found your your reference to the tugboat in the WKRP opening to be not only memory refreshing, because I forgot about that thing, but actually a little moving, a really nice detail to bring out. Wow. Oh, my God. The one that I think that you may have missed, John, as a counterbalance to good times, as a, as a liter- almost literal other side of the tracks, the Bob Newhart show, great opening cityscape. I agree. And yeah. then David... The one that I think you might have missed in in your in your uh, in your sideways meta commentary about skylines, Caprica. This one is super obscure. I've never heard of it. Caprica, which was the prequel to the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, one season, great show. I was looking for sci-fi skylines. Does do they have a sci-fi skyline? Yep, that's very rare. Caprica City, very rare. You missed that one. John Hodgman, do you know who Judge Jeanine Pirro is? She's that that drunken lady at home with a TV show. That's right. Sounds like another banger from Judge Janine Bureau. Thank you, election profit makers. Sometimes there are times in life that make us realize how lucky we are and how special our lives are. Is you rolling? Buy alcohol. Is you rolling? I'm miserable. Is you rolling? Flex your muscles. Yeah! We've worked too hard and we fought too long to lose it to a Wuhan. That's what I said, a Wuhan virus. Drink in my cup. You need some drink in your system. Up. Pop the ceiling, pull my cup. and get some drink in your system. Up. China is the one that's out of control. Yeah! We're not going to let you destroy this country or our way of life. Cocaine on the table, liquor point. Don't give a damn, don't give a damn. Cocaine. Keep your damn hands off us. Police say a woman was banned from a local Walmart after she spent several hours driving an electric shopping cart around the parking lot while drinking wine from a Pringles can. It ain't gonna be no standing round, now let's get cracking this bitch. Stay busy and do cocaine. Start working on how you're gonna punish, ostracize, alienate, and make China accountable for what they did to us. Say hello to my little friend. It'll make you feel better. Okay. It's in our DNA. Okay. It'll make you feel better. We're not stupid. Enough Little of the lockdown. Okay, okay. Wuhan. Pringles can't. Is you rolling? China is, you is rolling? the one that's out of control. Cocaine. Yeah. Wuhan. Yeah. Wuhan. Cocaine. Wuhan. 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 Cocaine. Cocaine. Yeah. Wuhan. You want to control people? Uh, okay. You politicians want to flex your muscles? Okay. Punish China. China. Uh, okay. China. Okay. 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 Listen to this. China. Okay. Keep your damn hands off us. Flex your muscles. Pathetic muscles. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for bets of the week. John Kimball, what is your bet of the week? My bet of the week is that Joe Biden is not going to win the New York state primary. Because the primary was canceled. And therefore, there will be no New York Democratic primary winner. 
Thanks. Thanks for recommending last night that I buy in that he was going to win the New York primary. I'm down $15. I wanted David to ride this way. Thank you, John. That was a real, real nice thing you did there. <laughs> I listen. Sanders came out last night and, and, and sent a letter saying that he wanted it to keep going. And on that news, it jumped from 50 cents to 75 cents. And I rode that wave. And then I wrote back to you, David. I got in and out for a quick 10 bucks. Too risky. But I didn't understand what that was in reference to. So that's not helpful to me. Well, it was in, in reference to the, the, the text directly above it. If you were using your context clues, you, you should have been able to figure that out. <laughs> Wow. I'm sorry you lost money. Wow, you're dissing my context clues? I'm, I'm sorry. My bet of the week? This is a classic spite bet, but I also kind of believe it. Which party will win the U.S. Senate election in Maine in 2020? A Democratic Party. I am in, John Kimball. You will be defeated, and I will be victorious. 68 cents. Feels a little high, but maybe I'll get out later. It's at 68 now? I'm cleaning up. I'm cleaning up on this. What did you pay? 64. Yeah, I'm down a dollar. Yeah, you are. My pick of the week is um, it's sort of a David Reesian special. It is obscure, and yet it draws a theme. There's a callback. And I'm going to go to Maine District 2, to my friends in Hancock County, where Jared Golden of Lewiston, Maine, unseated Bruce Poliquin in the first ranked choice voting election in Maine's history, 200 years of history, uh, that was an upset. So I'm going to go to Maine 2, where the question is, which party will win Maine 2 in the 2020 presidential election? Right now, buying yes on Republican is trading at 72 cents. I'm going to buy yes on Democratic at 30 cents. And this is why. Hang on. I'm hitting it. 25 shares. Submit. My offer has been received. Because I know that the reason that Poliquin lost is that Jared Golden did not win a plurality, but combined with all of the independents, 90% of independents went with him as their second choice and thus knocking Poliquin out. So there's a secret, there's a secret storm of Bruin in the second district. And I think I'm going to take the long, the long like odds that, that, uh, that Maine too, even though Trump won it by 10 in 2016, I'm going to, I'm going to take the long odds. Starley, what is your bet of the week? Well, there's a Trump-Kim meeting in 2020 market. <laughs> Kim Jong-un, you mean, of North Korea. Yeah. That's an amazing market. Right now it's going yes for $0.08, cents, no for $0.92. Cents. But there's been a development this week. This market now hinges on whether Kim Jong-un is alive or not, right? Mm-hmm. So betting on that is betting on not just the meeting. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Trump to try to stage a meeting with someone who- To meet with his corpse? Yeah. I mean, so right now it's eight cents for yes, um, yeah. which seems pretty expensive because you're assuming that he's alive, and then you're assuming that that, that they're actually going to have a meeting. But John, I'm not I'm not a savvy super investor like you. I'm just a I'm just an investor here. But but it, it with Starley's with Starley's investment, I'm curious. It's right now. It's trading at eight cents for a yes. Let's say, for the sake of argument, that it's revealed next week Kim Jong Un isn't dead, right? Is alive and recovering nicely. Wouldn't that wouldn't that price go up at that point? By like at least like a few cents, at least, right? You would think. 
Like it would just be a development that happened. Like when there's any development that happens, it usually moves predicted in some way. Right. Well, eight cents is the highest. I guess looking back in the last 30 days before anything happened, he was trading at 13 cents. So they they didn't think it was very likely before they thought he was dead. And now they're thinking, oh, maybe he's alive, but he's not that alive. Let's just assume that he's probably not doing well. He's like a he's like a cat in a box. You don't know. Exactly. Yes. Well, be- because we don't know and I'm and because I'm guessing we're going to get a resolution of some sort in the next few oh, weeks. Oh, I like that. It does seem like the kind of market you bet on for a low price and then hope for the best. I bet I feel but I feel like Hodgman's right. If it turns out next week he's alive, it'll go back up to 13 cents and I will have made a few nickels. You've convinced me, Starly. And 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 the biggest reason is that the Yeah, I'm in. 2020 is going to take 20 years. So, yeah. Why not buy at six cents or eight cents or whatever? Yeah. How many, how many shares are you going to buy? Are you going to buy like 10,000 shares? I'll probably buy like, I'll buy like, like 50 to a hundred shares. So like eight, eight, eight dollars worth. Yeah. I bought wow. 10. That's, that's my confidence. I'm not saying I have confidence. It's only to make it so, only because if he is alive, then at least I'll get a little more money than I would have if I'd bought nothing. I like it. It sounds fun. It sounds, Kimble, it's fun. Kimball stamp. It's fun betting on this. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun betting. It's fun, it's fun betting on a man's life. The ultimate rush. I do have to clarify, this is not a wish bet, though. I am neutral. You're in science mode. John Hodgman, thank you for being our special investor today. Is there anything you'd like to promote before we take our leave of you? Oh, well, you know, n- new episodes of Judge John Hodgman, my, my podcast on the Maximum Fund Network are always coming out. Every Wednesday. Uh, And then uh, if you're not aware of it, uh, one thing I've been doing since all the stay-at-home orders have come down is um, I do an Instagram live show usually every weekday afternoon, usually at four, although there is some fluctuation in the time depending on my quote-unquote schedule. Show's called Get Your Pets. And I just randomly pick people from uh, the feed uh, and interview their cats and dogs and uh, other pets. I got to meet some great North Carolina emu. Uh, uh, Janet and Kevin down uh, there on Catherine's farm in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, as well as uh, yesterday, a bearded dragon, uh, which is a kind of lizard in Edmonton, Alberta, that was wearing a cowboy hat. My Instagram is Instagram.com slash John Hodgman. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-D-G-M-A-N, all one word, all small letters, no E in Hodgman. And it's just something I do for a little emotional, uh, emotional support animal therapy. Do you pick the pets based on the most unusual pets or... Do you just, someone says, I've got a pet and you don't know what you're going to get? There's a lot of rubrics. Uh, I do probably about 40% of them just blind, random picks, close my eyes and grab someone at random. And then I try to pick some people that I know are friends or good or taking the time to be on the show. Uh, And then I invite people to let me know if they've got something other than a cat or dog, because I love cats and dogs, but I do like to get maybe a 20% mix of something other than cat or dog in there just for show personship. You know what I mean? 20% mix of Nashville 99. The Na- emus are the Nashville 99 of mm. pets. And I see you had no problem with those emus, John. Yeah. I, I see I see that. That's interesting to note. That's interesting. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. That's how to get in on the skyline voting. Send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. 
Thanks for coming on, Hodgman. It's nice to see your face, as always. It's nice to see all of your faces. I enjoy you all so much individually and as a, as a trio on Election Profit Makers, the podcast. I miss and love you all very much. Maybe this is a skyline. I was going to give you a theme song for one of the best city openings of all TV shows. What is it? Boom, 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 that's called banana the theme song to night court have you watched that that opening title it's so sequence good you got steam coming out you got you know the gross subway yeah it's so good and then you got people smoking in the courtroom it's just like it's like darker than true detective it's so grim technically there's no skyline in that so we can't there, we can't include you, that there is a skyline there is a skyline is there yes I think that there is. I there definitely. I I sent you it. I okay. just watched it. Well, it's there not in my top skyline. five. It, do, it doesn't have to be in your top five, but the gaslighting that it's not a skyline is a step too far. The message for this time in in life is lessen the burden for other people. Don't gaslight people. All right. He really heard that. <laughs>